0: Welcome to livealittlehigher.com. At the beginning of Parashah Pinhas, it describes God's reward to Pinhas for his zealousness in avenging Simri's very illicitous, uh, licentious relationship with a Moabite princess called Cosby. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Pinghas, the son of Elasar, the son of Aaron, the high priest, has turned my wrath away from the children of Israel with zealotry for my sake. Therefore, I shall grant him my covenant of peace. So Rashi, in his commentary, seems to be troubled by an apparently unnecessary repetition of this verse. We see it at the end of Parashah Balak. it's it said, this verse that talks about Pinhas' genealogy and then again at the beginning of Parashah Pinchas, it, we are. this verse is repeated. So we have to understand that the Torah never has words, more words than necessary or less words than necessary. The Torah is exact and when it repeats itself it's trying to convey a message. Uh, we have to rewind a little bit so we can explain what's going on here in the last parasha, parasha Balak we know that Balak, the king of Moab hires Balaam, the prophet to come and curse the Jewish people and every time he goes wherever to look at them and curse them, only blessings come out of his mouth. He's unable to curse them. The most beautiful blessings come out of his mouth. All the prophecies of when Messiah is going to come, come out of his mouth. And um, and at the end of the parashah, Balaam realizes that uh, God is never going to punish the Jewish people if they are behaving in a, in, a, in a nice way. Like, it doesn't matter whatever, someone comes, curses them, tries to harm them, they will never be able to harm them if they're living in a righteous way. And he remembers that God becomes very vengeful and very angry when the Jewish people don't live in a modest way, when they become a, um, promiscuous and they have illicit relationships. So we see here that the verse states that Pinhas was the son of Elazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, and this verse is said in this way, not only to inform us of Pinhas' ancestry, but also to defend him uh, from criticism. So what happens is that there's um, the, the prince of the, of the tribe of Shimon, uh, the leader, who is uh, Simri, Uh, he takes uh, uh, one of these Midianite girls and uh, her name is Simri, she was actually a princess and he takes her in front of everybody and he takes her to his tent and you can imagine they have um, a licentious relationship and Ping has become a zealot, he realizes that nobody knows what to do and he takes it upon himself to go and kill them in the act so we see here that after this happened, the people, the Jewish people, started criticizing Pinhas, and they started saying, eh, eh, have you seen this grandson of Putiel, the father of whose mother used to fatten calves for idolatrous sacrifices? And he dared to slay a prince of one of Israel's tribes. So what we're seeing here is that Pinchas was also the grandson of Putiel. His mother actually was the the daughter of Yitro. Yitro was Putiel also. It's a different name given to him. He had many names. But his mother was a a daughter of, of Yitro. And Yitro, as we know, was the biggest idol worshiper there ever existed. He changed his ways when he saw the miracles that God did for the Jewish people when he took them out of Egypt and he did the parting of the Red Sea, the Yamsuf, and he won the war of, uh, against Amalek for them. And when he saw these miracles, he came to the camp where the Jewish people were, were staying before the giving of the Torah, and he told Moshe Rabbeinu that he was gonna become a Jew. So uh, we see that he tried everything and he turned himself around. And here they're not being nice to him they're saying disparagingly, they're not reminding, remembering about Yitro's good actions they're remembering that he used to fatten the calves before taking them for sacrifices and if you know when you fatten an animal the animal suffers, so it, it was considered cruelty cruelty to animals, so then the Torah comes and connects his genealogy to Aaron, that's why it repeats it twice, because this malicious slander was based on the fact that Pinha's father, Elazar, had married the daughter of Putiel, who is also, as we, as I said before, known as Yitro. So Pinha's actions can be linked to courage, religious fervor, decisiveness, self-sacrifice, to name a few. But peace hardly seems one of them. And we look at the, at the pasuk, at the verse. It says, and um, it says, that uh, therefore I shall grant him my covenant of peace so what does it mean he's going to grant him Hashem is going to grant Pinhas the covenant of peace what does this mean if he's not a peaceful man so we see here that the covenant of peace really was that he told Pinhas that he was going to be a Kohen and he was not a Kohen uh, to be a Kohen Kohen. in those days you had to be um, chosen to be a Kohen so he makes him a Kohen And as we know, uh, Pinhas killed two people, which is not the way of the Torah. And, And the Torah is against killing, against murder, against all these things. And uh, so how can it be regarded as a peaceful action? Why did God give him the covenant of peace if his action was not a peaceful one? So nevertheless, his zealot did save the life of many, many people. It stopped a plague that had killed 24,000 men. And when he committed the zealot act against Simri and Cosby, this plague stopped. So as the Torah tells it, the wicked prophet Balaam, having failed in cursing the Jewish people, had an, had this novel idea of bringing these uh, these girls, these girls from Moab, eh, to come and entice the Jewish men. And they came to sell linens, and by selling linens, they started to entice them. And then the men went crazy with them because they were beautiful, and they also made them idol worship their god which was Balpeor and Balpeor how, how did they idol worship this god? The, by defecating so this Balpeor really was nothing like imagine like defecating this is the way you worship a god and the Jewish man these, all these 24,000 men who were righteous men ended up uh, falling into this trap and doing things they should have never done so so Balaam's plan was really a success and, and uh, most of the ones, most of the people that perished came from the uh, from the tribe of, of Shemen. And um, so when the tribunals were set up by Moses to try to punish them, Simri, the prince of the tribe of Shimon, tried to legitimize the actions by, by taking Cosby, a Moabite princess, into the tent in front of Moses, the elders and all the Jewish congregation to see what he was doing. He was trying to like show this is okay, this is the right thing to do and um, and they were shocked they, they forgot the Allah the, the, the Jewish law. they didn't know what to do with them. they didn't know what was the, the what had to be done. And that's when eh, when Pinhas came and went into the tent and just, slayed them and brought them out with his sword and, uh, and he created this zealot ask. so only him, only Pinhas remembered the law and because of his holy fervor was the only one able to carry it he, he slain Simri and Cosby in front of everyone and he stopped the wrath of God and the plague that had killed 24,000 people men so the nature of Simri's crime made his killing an extremely sensitive moral issue. On the one hand, the Torah deems what he did was deserving of death. Obviously, the Torah says that a man that has a, a relationship like this, with no, like, no shame, like in such a way, is deserving of, of death. And on the other hand, it does not entrust the carrying out of that sentence to the normal judiciary process, ruling instead that zealous should smite so there is an alaha there is a a law in jewish law that qualifies a zealot to kill uh, in in this way because someone is going against god in such a horrible way so when a case is presented in front of a court there is a system to determine it and if the person is guilty or not but here Simri didn't have the chance to defend himself and the court system goes by the book and we can check their behavior against the book. So if if they would have taken them out of the tent and they would have brought them to to the base dean, they would have brought them to the court, like obviously he would have been stoned afterwards. This is what the crime would have been but this is not what happened but the motives of a zealot who takes the law in his own hands can be questioned because we don't know if the true intentions of the person committing the zealot act really are pure and noble and therefore eh, to do a kiddush Hashem, to do it for the sake of God. Was has truly motivated by by stopping God's wrath or was his deed an outlet for his individual aggression? So this is what the people were criticizing when he did this act. They were criticizing, they didn't know if he did it because he really loves God and he really wanted to do the good for the Jewish people and stop the plague or was it that he was an angry person, he was just an excuse to take out his wrath. So is he actually an act of peace? driven by the desire to reconcile an errant people with their God or is in an act of violence made kosher with a zealous seal so that was the question that the people asked themselves so a true zealot we have to understand what a true zealot is it's a person who is a hundred percent selfless his only concern is his relationship with God and the relationship of God with the, with his people He's not thinking about his feelings or, or what other people are going to say about him. It, this maybe is the reason why the law that sells smite him falls under the unique legal category of Allah, vain morin Cain, a law law that is not instructed so this is not a law that is instructed it's not like if someone is doing something horrendous like what Simri did with Cosby there's a law saying okay let's look for a zealot where's the zealot let's look for the zealot he can do it no that's why uh, the person that's gonna do it has to do it out of out of in the moment it's not something that is uh, predetermined so if a zealot would come to the court and ask permission to kill the transgressor he would be denied he could not do it he's he's not nobody to do it how can he take the law in his own hands indeed the very fact that he comes to ask would disqualify him because someone who needs permission in order to act is not a zealot So a zealot is a person, a true zealot uh, is a person that has not thought for himself about the consequences of his actions, he's not measuring what's gonna be, he just takes the moment and he just goes and does what he has to do. So this is why the verse describing Pinha's ancestry is so, so important, that it had to be mentioned twice once at the end of this parasha, of parasha Balak, once at the beginning of parasha Pinchas. So the Sedra tells us that the tribes of Israel were suspicious of Pinhas. real motives behind, behind the killing of Simri. They questioned why Moses, the elders, or anyone else did not act in the moment and didn't take leadership at that moment. They couldn't understand, but they were so shocked by what they were seeing that they, could, they were stunned. They couldn't move. So was Pinhas the most selfless and caring one of all of them? So they came to the conclusion that Ping has acted out of the anger and had found an outlet to his aggressive personality. So this is what the people thought. They thought that he came from, his, his, his energy came, his essence came from Yitro, from his maternal grandfather, that he didn't do it out of love to God or out of love to the Jewish people. He just did it because he, he harbored this, this Midot because his grandfather had it, now he has it. And he was just taking out this revengeful feeling out in this moment. So, when looking at his family tree, they came to the conclusions that Pinhas carried after his grandfather Yitro and his inhumanity and cruelty of fattening the calves before they were sacrificed. So, God explicitly attached Pinhas' name to Aaron. You know, the Torah was given to us. From God, this is, Moshe wrote it down but it really came from God so God explicitly attached Pinhas' name to Aaron twice so we can understand that the gentleness as most living, loving person that ever existed Aaron was the grandfather of Pinhas and the, the essence of Pinhas was the essence of Aaron that's why they say that the, that the reincarnation of Pinhas was in Eliyahu Hanabi El Yahuhanabi is going to be the one that announces that Messiah is coming and, um, so Aaron was the lover of peace and pursuer of peace one who loves humanity and brings them close to Torah this is what Aaron did all, all the way all his life so this is why Pinhas the son of Elazar the son of Aaron the Cohen, turned away my wrath from the children of Israel so this God puts it twice. So there's no doubt that this was the the intention behind Pinhas' selflessness. So it's repeated twice. So not only Pinhas' nature is not inclined to violence, Pinhas is a man of peace, who did what he did with the only intention of turning away my wrath from the children of Israel. So the only intention of Pinhas of, of executing this zealot act was to stop Hashem's anger so the Jewish people would stop dying. And he stopped the plague. Actually, after he killed Kozbi uh, and Simri, the, the plague stopped. Nobody else died. So God knows the heart of every man. Spoke to dispel this distorted picture. Ping has inherited the qualities of his grandfather Aaron, while Simri was every inch a descendant of Shimon, whom Jacob re- rebuked for his heated and violent nature for the massacre of Shechem and his plot against his brother Joseph. So, if we remember, when uh, Jacob came to Shechem with his family, Dina, his daughter, was abducted by the prince of Shechem and uh, actually she was raped, and at the end, the, this prince wanted to marry her, and the, the king Shehem said to Jacob, okay, what's, what's between you and me? Let your daughters marry our sons, let our sons marry our daughters, and we'll be a, one big happy family. And um, so Shimon and Levi, the two brothers, came to the father and said, okay, let her marry him, but they all have to do Bridmila. mila." And so he said to the king, "Yes, we can do this pact, but all the people in Shechem, all the men, have to do Brit Milah, and they all did the Brit Milah. And three days later, the worst day of the recuperation of the priests, the, the Shimon and Levi came and killed everybody in Shechem. So this was something that was shocking for Jacob that two of his children had this capacity." Uh, but in reality they were also zealots they were also doing avenging uh, what they did to their to their sister so but they had that capacity they had that capacity and also he also was the one that uh, Shimon, the one that uh, put Joseph in the pit. So we see from here that the the zealousness of um, of has really came from a place of love, but the zealousness of, of Shimon came from a place of anger. So based on the th- so this is based on the teachings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and we have to understand that uh, when people do things, sometimes they do things in a way that we cannot understand, they're they're concealed. But when we do things for God, and we're not gonna be Pinhas and God forbid we're ever tested, we're ever put in a place like this. It's not our place to act in this way. But we can use this zealotness of Pinhas, we can connect to it in our service to God, in our Jewish pride, in, in defending the Jewish people, defending our, our country Israel, on standing up for who we are, not being scared of people who mistreat us because we're Jewish, to be proud Jews. And this is solidness. This is what a Jew is ingrained in us. But we have to do it really for the love of Hashem and for the love of the Jewish people, not for selfish motives. So I leave you here and I wish you a blessed week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.